if you're going to grow in your Christian faith, you need to know something. That was really the point of last week's message. If you missed it, we talked about a couple different sources of knowledge. The fact that we can receive knowledge by observation, that's what all science is based on. We observe things, then we draw logical conclusions based on what we observe. And then another source is revelation. That is, God reveals things to us. He shows us. And God's Word is revelation. Jesus was a revelation. We we look at the Word of God and we, we learn from Him. Here's what I want you to know today as we progress along through Second Peter. Last week we looked at the first four verses and then today we're looking at verses 5 through 15. In those verses we see that in order to grow, we need to live what we know. We don't receive knowledge for the sake of receiving knowledge. We receive knowledge for the sake of of knowing what we're supposed to do. And so it's the application of knowledge that causes Christian growth. And that's the point that Peter is going to be making in this passage. And, you know, today as we, we look at the last part of these verses, we're going to see that Peter's at the end of his life, and he's well aware that he's at the end of his life. You remember Jesus had, had told him that he was going to be crucified. He, he said in a, in, a, in a code that maybe doesn't seem obvious to you, but... But when we read the Gospels, it's pretty clear what Jesus was alluding to. As he says, when you're old, someone will lead you where you don't want to go. And you remember how Peter responded? Probably the way most of us would respond. He looked over at John and he said, well, what about that guy? And Jesus said, well, don't worry about John. You worry about yourself. And so Peter now has reached that point in his life. He knows this is coming and it's coming soon. And in this book is this kind of his, one of his final farewell messages you think about this, if you knew you were about to die, what would you want to say to your family? Well, hopefully, you'd want to speak about some of the very most important things in life, and you'd want to pass along to them some of the most important things that you could. And so that's what we have in Second Peter. We have the Apostle Peter at the end of his life giving us a word about what really matters, and he tells us that there is truth, and his name is Jesus and that we grow in our life spiritually by living by this truth. So 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, would you stand with me in honor and reverence for God's word as we read this together? 2 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, 
as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to recall these things. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd help us to learn the message that Peter had in his last moments, the things that he desired to stir up in us and enable us to recall. And I pray that we might live differently because of what we learn. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I want you to notice some, some kind of key words. This passage is just packed full of information and we could we could literally do a whole series on this passage so so we're just going to be able to kind of really uh, hit the high points if you will and so I want to draw our attention to a few key words that help us understand what Peter is trying to teach us so I want you to notice first of all in verse 5 what it says it says for this very reason and then this is the phrase I want us to hone in on for a moment he says make every effort make every Effort. You see, Christian growth requires effort and initiative. Many people want to take an absolutely passive role in their faith and have everything done for them, either by the Lord or by the preacher or by the church. But the Bible says to make every effort. Several years ago, I was in Atlanta and we were interviewing for a secretary and uh, one of the, you know one of the main things when you, you hire somebody to work with you like that you want to make sure they they know how to use a computer because that's just how we do most secretarial work today right so anyway so I, I was doing this interview and I said uh, I said uh, you familiar with Microsoft Word and she says no no I've never really used Word I thought well that's okay I mean we got classes for that we teach how to use Word I said what about Excel and she says no and I've never I'm not really sure what that is I said well that, that's I mean we were still okay at this point so I said well I said well tell me do you Tell me about your experience with computers. And, and she says, well, I have a Facebook account. And I thought, well, you know, that's something. I mean, I can work with that, you know. If you, so I said, well, t- tell me about how you use Facebook and tell me a little bit about how it works. And she says, well, I don't really use it. She says, I have an account and I want to use it. She says, but I just can't get my husband to show me and teach me how to use it. And I don't really know what she said after that because I just... I reached down to my paper and I just scratched that name off. And we got, we got done and, and she left and the committee said, what do you think? And I said, I think here's a person that's lazy and has no initiative. And if you, if you can't Google and figure out how to use Facebook, you're, you're not going to be much help. But you know, she's indicative of many people. They don't want to take the initiative and they don't want to put forth effort. Do you know that everything in life that's worth doing requires effort? It requires effort. And most things require intense effort. And I can't think of many scenarios where somebody's going to take you by the hand, tell you everything you need to do, and then along every step of the way, stand beside you and prod you and encourage you to do it, and then make certain that you are successful. You have to take some initiative. You have to take some initiative. And so it is, Peter says, make every effort to grow. When we think about our spiritual growth in the church, it requires some effort and some initiative on our part. 
Many people complain about their Sunday school class, or they complain about their Sunday school teacher, or they complain about the pastor, or they complain about the music, or they complain about whatever that the church has to offer. And the reality is, and I, I know that, that there's times that, that I don't uh, do things as well as I could, could or should have. I understand. I'm not perfect. But we always have an opportunity where if you take some initiative, you could have learned something and grown from that experience. It takes effort. It's a two-way street, isn't it? It takes effort on our part. And so Peter says, make every effort. Now I want you to notice something else about this phrase. He doesn't just say that we're to take effort, but, but notice the first part. It says, make every effort. You see, there's not only effort required, but there's an intensity to the effort. When you ask yourselves, well, I want to grow as a Christian. Well, how bad do you want to go as, grow as a Christian? I mean, do you want to grow bad enough that you're willing to carve out time to pray? Do you want to grow bad enough that you're willing to carve out time to read the Bible? Do you, do you want to grow bad enough that you're willing to, to seek the Lord and open yourself up and say, Lord, speak to me today and whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. It says make every effort. Now, now I've found that, that when you begin to get really serious about your Christian faith, that's when people will really discourage you from participating in the Christian faith. Especially people that are I guess what we might call just casual Christians. And some of those people might actually be Christians and just kind of be uh, a little lost sight of what's really important. And, and others, I'm not really sure if they really even understood the, the Christian message to begin with. But when you begin to get really serious, people will discourage you from the Christian faith. And a lot of those people will be the people that go to church with you until you're taking it too far. Years ago, well, it wasn't even that many years ago, my, my niece was starting college, and, and we sent her some care packages and cards, and, and I just thought it was just a good opportunity to get some advice. And so I, I sat down, and I wrote out this, this message in my card, and, and I told her several things that, that I wish I had known when I was her age. And I don't, do you have any regrets in life? I do. I really do. I have some regrets in life. And I don't know what your regrets revolve around, but most of my regrets come from listening to other people. Uh, they, they, they really do. I was about 30 years old when I finally stopped listening to people. I, I, there was, I, I would have got so much farther faster in life if I had not listened to different people. And so this is what I told her. I said, most people will never accomplish anything significant with their life. So don't listen to them. I said, don't take advice from people, and here's why I'm telling you this story. This is what I want you to get out of this. I said, don't take advice from people unless they have been where you want to go. Think about that. This is the way Dave Ramsey, you know the financial guy? This is what Dave Ramsey, this is the way he, he phrases it. He says broke people shouldn't ask other broke people for financial advice. If they knew how to handle money, they wouldn't be broke, right? And, and what do we do? We do the same thing. And so when, so when people begin to discourage you and they say, you know, you know you're, you're reading the Bible too much. You're, you're just going to church too much. You're, doing too, you're getting too involved. You're just too committed. You're, just, you're letting it kind of take over. You need, to just, you need to calm down. Just settle down. And then, then you need to ask yourself, is this person where I want to be spiritually? And if the answer is no or 
I'm not sure. Why, why would you want to listen to them? Instead, look for some people that are where you want to go. Because they wouldn't have gotten there without figuring out how to get there. And ask them for spiritual advice. That's why I talk to, to other pastors and different people. And, and, I, and I ask them for advice. And probably sometimes I'm a nuisance I ask so much advice. But it's, it's good. It's good to look for people that are where you want to go. And then ask them, how did you get there? Uh, one of my favorite pastors years ago, um, you know, the convention, we all kind of gather nationally. And so I sent him a letter several months in advance. I knew he was super busy because he pastored a really large church. But I sent him a letter and I said, I said, if you can spare a moment, I'd really like to talk to you at the convention. And I, and I gave him a way out because I just know we're all busy. And so I said, if you don't have time to respond, I, I don't take any offense. Don't worry about it. You don't need to respond to this letter. So I didn't get a response. So I thought, well, he's just too busy. That's no problem. I didn't, that didn't bother me. But anyway, I saw him there. And so I was just going to say hello. And so I came walking up. He saw my name tag. And he says, he says, Kevin Maples. He said, I tried to call you last night, son. This is back when we still had the, those little stupid flip phones that didn't work half the time. And so I didn't get his call. And so he reaches in his pocket and he pulls out the letter that I sent him months before. He had brought it with him. And he said, I, I said, I got your letter. He said, I want to talk to you. And I said, well, that's great. He says, when's a good time? I said, anytime's good for me, buddy. Anytime's good for me. Uh, and so we went. We sat down for about an hour and a half. And I asked him all these questions. And he gave me some profound, incredible advice. One of the things he said was he talked about his own prayer life and what he did and how he spent time in prayer every single day. And every time anything was important to him, he, he, he made this list so that every morning he would be reminded of it as he spent his time in prayer. Now, I've, I've received other advice from people that was, that was not so great advice. You see, Peter's advice is this. And Peter was apostle that... that lived with Jesus and heard Jesus preach and then Jesus called him to be a disciple and then Jesus, Peter would lead the early church and then Peter would even go on to die and be a martyr and Peter's writing would become part of the inspired scripture. I think he's somebody we ought to listen to, don't you? And he says, make every effort, make every effort. If you're not growing, as a believer, it, it, it probably says more about you than it does your Sunday school teacher or your pastor or your church or, or anything else. We've got to take initiative and we've got to make effort if we want to grow as a believer. I want you to notice another word here is the word supplement. Supplement. Notice what he says here. To supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Well, Peter lists out all these different qualities, and he says that all these things should supplement our faith. That is, they're in addition to our faith. That when we come to believe and trust in God, and that's what faith is, we come to believe and we come to trust, 
then that's not the end of the Christian life. That's just the jumping off point where we get started. And that faith is to be supplemented with all these different things. And so it's to be supplemented with virtue and virtue with knowledge. So we think about virtue. That's the things that are right and the things that are good. And we want to supplement that with knowledge because uh, you can unknowingly think you're doing good. But if you don't know what you're doing, not be doing good. So you've got to have some knowledge. And knowledge with with self-control, because you got to know when to restrain yourself. Sometimes it's best to be just be quiet and, and, and let people figure things out on their own. You have to have some self-control. And steadfastness, because that, that's, that's the idea of, of perseverance, this idea of being steady. Because so many things in life, our success and fruitfulness is dependent upon how steadfast we, we are. I was listening to uh, Al Mohler a few years ago, and and uh, he was talking about his children growing up, and he was talking about the importance of being present in the home. And he said different people that he knew that were pastors and leaders and extremely busy and had demanding schedules, you know, they, they would kind of carve out time and schedule time for their family. And, and he said the problem with that is that the greatest moments with his kids were unscripted and and he had no way of knowing when they were going to happen he just if he hadn't been there he would have he would have missed them and so he talked about it that it's that it's important just continually be around as much as you can be and this is an example of one area of life where steadfastness makes all the difference in the world and you think about our mission in church it's one thing to get excited it's one thing to really go after something with all your heart for a moment, but it's another to be steadfast for all of your life. And we, we've got some folks in this church that they have been worshiping in this building as long as it's been built. And, and I, don't, I don't know if we would still be open today if it wasn't for their steadfastness. We have to persevere and be consistent and keep pressing on if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to. And then he, he says, supplement this with godliness and with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. You see, there's more to the Christian life than just having faith. And so Peter is calling us to be a well-rounded person that has all the pieces put together. Well, I want you to notice in verses 8 through 11 what he teaches us here. You see, Christian growth will keep us from being ineffective. God wants us to do something and God wants us to accomplish something. And so the Bible talks about us not being unfruitful or being ineffective. So notice what it says in verse 8. For if these qualities are yours, and then, then here's the word now, and are increasing, increasing. This word increasing reminds us that the Christian life, we're to constantly increasing in these qualities. That is, we're constantly to be growing in our, in our faith. It's not that we reach some point and we say, well, I've arrived and here I am. Because I, I, I'm not going to call anybody out, but there's some of us, that's what we think, isn't it? They'll say, well, I, you know, I, I was saved when I was young. I did the whole same school thing. I grew, I served, and, and I did this and I did that. And, I, and, and now I'm just kind of here to give advice when asked every once in a while and just kind of wait out my time. And it just, it, just, it just doesn't work that way. 
we're, we're always to be growing and increasing in our faith. And so just because you have love for other people doesn't mean that you can't learn to love them more. Doesn't mean that we can't increase in our love. Just because you have some sticking power and are steadfast doesn't mean that we can't increase in that and learn to be even more steadfast. And this is God's goal. You see, none of us have yet attained what he wants to do with our lives. He wants to build us and grow us and shape us into something better, something deeper, something more like Jesus than we currently are. And so we are to increase in these qualities. And here's what he says about these things. They will keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We do not receive knowledge for the sake of receiving knowledge. We receive knowledge in order to understand what to do. And then when we understand what to do, we are to do it. Several years ago, when I was in Atlanta, they required all of us to go through CPR training and first aid training. And, and uh, you know, we had to do the, get the AED out and operate that thing. And we had to do um, uh, CPR and the whole deal. And, and then the instructor signed off and licensed us for that. We receive knowledge in that moment. But, you know, if, if somebody here today was to have a heart attack, my knowing how to do CPR, it won't help you at all unless I put that knowledge into practice. And so see, you can, you can know what to do and yet be completely ineffective. You and I can understand what it takes for somebody to be saved. We can understand the gospel message. But if we don't share it with anybody, our knowledge is useless to them. And so Peter says, if we supplement our faith with these different qualities, then it will keep us from being ineffective or unfruitful. You see, when we begin to make effort about growing in our Christian faith, then God begins to develop all these areas and so that we begin increasing, then we understand more about what to do. And then we begin to do it and we apply this knowledge. And as we apply this knowledge, then we become productive and fruitful which is God's intent for every single one of us he intends for all of us to produce something listen to what Paul said about having not yet attained the ultimate goal Paul said not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own brothers I do not consider that I've made it my own but one thing I do, and this is what he says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so even the Apostle Paul said that he had not yet attained everything that God was calling him to. And so you and I, I doubt that any of us are really ahead of the Apostle Paul spiritually. And so you and I can also press on and increase in our knowledge and understanding and then increase in our application of this knowledge so that we can be more fruitful and more productive. And some of you may be thinking, Pastor, I'm already, I'm already doing everything I can do. I'm already doing more than I should be doing. And I'm not necessarily talking about more activity. I'm talking about more productivity. 
you can, you can be doing more and accomplishing less, can't you, if you're doing the wrong thing. And so when we begin to understand these things, and we begin to get these qualities that, that God is calling us to, that we grow in our faith, we learn how to apply them so that we know what to do and we know what to say and that we can become a blessing to other people as we know how to minister to them and meet their needs. So listen to what he says about lacking these qualities. He says, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Being nearsighted is this, this uh, image to talk about somebody that, that believes and trusts but yet doesn't have any of these qualities. They've lost sight of the big picture and they can't see what lies before them. But when we not only have faith, but we also have love and steadfastness, and godliness, and perseverance. When we have all these things, we realize what God is calling us to do, and we become productive, and we become increasingly more productive. And notice what he says here in verse 10. There's another phrase I want you to point out. He says, all the more diligent. Do you notice how Peter says in multiple ways the same things, this idea of increasing continuing to progress, continuing to do more. He says, all the more diligent. When we think about the Christian race, uh, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's about from now to the end, pressing on and persevering and increasing our knowledge and understanding and becoming more and more productive. And so Christian growth comes through knowledge, comes through the application of knowledge, and then sometimes it comes through being stirred up. Sometimes we know what to do, we're just not doing it. And so this is what uh, Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, that you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it's right as long as I'm in this body, and here's the phrase, to stir you up by way of reminder. There's a lot of reasons that we need to be in church every Sunday that we possibly and physically can. One is so that we might hear from the Lord through his word and through the conviction of the spirit so that we can learn, so that we can grow in our faith. And another reason is sometimes we know what to do, but we're not doing it. And we need to be stirred up to do what it is that we need. Today. So I hope today that you have a desire to grow in your faith. Because I really do. I really do. But when I die, I don't I don't really care if I'm wealthy. That is not my life goal. Because I've already figured out I've, I've done enough funerals, I realize how it goes. I mean, I, I just leave it to my kids and some future son in law blow it on a new truck. I mean, it's just there's you don't gain anything by being wealthy in the end. You know, I mean that's that's what happens. I just I'm just telling you, that's, that's the way it works. And that's not my goal. My goal is not to be famous in life. Because I can tell you how that works as well. You may benefit from that while you're alive, but you won't be dead long until everybody will have forgotten about you. That's not worth pursuing. My goal is that one day when I get to the end of my life, that I made an eternal difference in this world. And there's only one way that you can do that. That's by pursuing God's will for your life and building his kingdom.
That's why Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. I hope that's your goal, is to grow in your faith, that you might become more productive and more fruitful. And if it wasn't your goal when you came in here, I hope maybe I stirred you up a little bit. That you might seek something worth seeking with your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for Peter and his love for you. And Lord, I pray that we would hear from him today. I pray that we would have a desire to, to learn about ourselves and to learn about you and to learn about what you want to do with our lives. And then I pray that we would have the heart to apply it. Help us to be a blessing to the people that we work with and live with. Father, I pray that we might make an eternal difference in this world as we follow you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, knowledge, the reason that we receive it is so that we might do something with it. And I want to ask you something today. Is there anything that you know you need to do that you're not doing? Maybe it's a sin that you need to confess to the Lord and repent of. Maybe it's a service that God's called you to and you've just not been willing to do it. It might be something completely unrelated to this message. But I want to invite you right now to respond to the Lord and just say yes to Him, whatever that is, to, to commit yourself to put into practice what you know you need to do. Do you know that the reason that Jesus died on the cross is so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins? It's so that even though we deserve to go to hell, we can receive what he deserves, and that's to be in heaven. And if there's never been a time in your life that you've called on him in prayer and just confessed your belief in that and asked for forgiveness, I want to invite you to do it now at the end of this service. You see, the Bible makes this promise that whenever we call on him in prayer, he will hear our prayer and he will answer. This is what the Bible says. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And every single one of us needs to be saved. We can't save ourselves. If you've been trying to save yourself and you're ready to give up, the Lord's ready to take over and save you. You can pray. You can pray right there in your seat. If you want somebody to pray with you, you can meet me at the front, and I will help you pray. Maybe you're here today and there's something in your life that you radically need to change. Would you just talk to the Lord about that? Confess it to him a sin and commit yourself to live differently. That, that's what repentance is. It's when we're honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord. And he already knows, so you might as well be honest with him. It's just time that we get honest with ourselves. Maybe you're here today and you're not a member of this church and you'd like to join. We'd love to have you. Right now is the time to respond and share that desire. So let's stand as we make our decisions.